to a podcast greater than yourself, season three. Do you have an idea for an episode or question for John and Fred? Email us at podcastgreaterthanyourself at gmail.com or contact us on Instagram at podcast underscore greater underscore than underscore yourself or doctor underscore silkworth. Alright. Wait, are we... Have we been been introducing ourselves at the beginning of the episodes? We kind of like... I think... Are you recording? Because can we just keep this as the... Because I feel like a lot of them have gone this way. I think they've all started like this, yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, this is a podcast greater than yourself, and my name is John Barleycorn. And I am Fred. And I don't know if we've been introducing ourselves or not. I can't remember. I started sleep training my baby two nights ago. And uh, it's like uh, boiled eggs between my brains right now. (laughs) Between my brains. Between my two brains, there's eggs and they're boiled. Is it your uh, third brain? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) There's a mutation spontaneously caused by something not FDA approved. Um, With us today is our esteemed guest, Brittany S. Hi. Hi, welcome. (laughs) Glad to see you living free. Um today um i think we're all probably hey, pretty... john hang on oh. john hang on Brittany, are you an actual yankees fan or do you just like the hat i'm an actual yankees fan i gotta just show you something just so we get it clear out of the way we'll just okay okay so, yeah okay Figured. we're yeah, good sure. now all right yeah for, for those of you not watching he just flipped her the bird it was very weird <laughs> Kind of I showed aggressive. her my ass tat. <laughs> <laughs> my ass tat that says A Rod forever. Um, <laughs> so, I think all of us are pretty excited about today's topic, which is you can't work the 12 steps of AA and remain an atheist. So, for. For everyone who's about to write us a negative review without listening to this episode, congrats. I'm not discouraging you from <laughs> doing that. <laughs> um, all, all press is good press. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one negative review we got, we kind of turned that into a good um, episode title. That was, that was funny. Mom! Mom, <laughs> I'm recording the podcast! <laughs> Bring me Hot Pockets! <laughs> Imagine asking your mom for multiple hot pockets. Is that a thing? Uh, I'm thinking of like well, they come, how many, they come how many hot, hot pockets, pockets can you eat? Can you eat? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're pretty big. <laughs> those, are, those are big bready suckers. <laughs> Is it, we're not talking about what are those pizza rolls? That's what I'm thinking of, the little things. Mm, and it was yes. like it was like uh, lava. You'd bite into it and it would just like spray hot pizza goo all in your throat. Uh, Those are fire, but you have to bite the corner first and then let it mm-hmm. come out a little. Then you can proceed to eat the whole box. Okay. Yep, I agree. Uh, I'm going to have to see if those still exist again so I can try that method. My description got a little graphic there. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a Costco membership? Because I'm sure they sell a bag of 10,000 at Costco. I remember getting bagel bites at Costco as a kid. Mm. You remember bagel bites? Those were fucking yeah. We had a 
we had a Schwann's guy. You guys have, yes. did you guys have, sh- everything yeah, so was like a the, shitty knockoff of stuff. Yeah. So we had the Schwann's guy and he would come by once a, once a month or something and fill the old deep freeze with bagel bites and yeah. pizza that big, rolls scary and all that truck, kind of stuff. Big scary freezer Cordon truck. Cordon blue. Chicken cordon blue. Yes. Oh, it was like, it was like uh microwave dinners from the fifties. And we're back to podcast greater than yourself food <laughs> food podcast as we do every week. This is the food corner. Uh, this week we're talking about shitty food from your childhood freezer. Uh, so, Brittany, I understand you uh, have a reading prepared. I do. It's on the bottom of page twenty-five, the last paragraph, and there from the chapter there is a solution. Should I read it? This is the book Alcoholics Anonymous. I think so. <laughs> Perfect. This is, a, this is a Derek Jeter's biography. <laughs> Let me check. Hold. On. Yeah. No. No. It's it's the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Perfect. It says if you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. Love it. Love it. Yeah, pretty clear, I think. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think the the key there is like, uh, I, I've, I've had conversations with people where you kind of just read that and it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, like the newcomer that you work with or somebody you hear in a meeting or you just have a casual conversation with and there's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> this is, this is serious shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. So are you in a position where life has become impossible? Mm. And then, and then, you know, well, Clearly, I'm I'm here with your sad ass. Like clearly, yes, I'm not doing well. And then, you know, have you passed into that region? Right? Maybe you have. Yeah. And reading too in the previous part about the real alcoholic and and you know they're like this is the kinds of al- this is the kind of mm-hmm. drinkers and if you are a real alcoholic, mm-hmm. you don't have control over your drinking. Are you that person? okay, well, do you want to die an alcoholic death or are you willing to accept spiritual help? It's, it's very, the, the big book doesn't mince words in this whole, these chapters before how it works, because it's just like this, this is the solution. Like you might be hesitant, but this, we're telling you this is the solution. It's not like, oh, maybe this, it's, it's very clear. Right. Absolutely. And it's, this is the solution that AA presents, right? It's like, mm-hmm. there might be a different solution. We're not, I'm not arguing that, yeah, you know? Sure. And it's funny. Uh, I'm always curious, like how other people's brains work. But when I first read this, I was just scrolling back so I could find the original text that uh, John sent me so that I could look, but he, you know, he says, no, you cannot work the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and remain an atheist is going to be our topic. And um, when I first read it, I, I read it as like, um, oh yeah, like, uh, at some point, like the the relationship with God is is going to have to be a thing that we talk about. You can't, you know, you can't you can't go through this and and whatever. But then when I reread it this morning, 
I read it a different way. I read it. You can't complete actively, uh, appropriately complete the 12 steps and not have a relationship with God. Right. Like you totally. will have a relationship with God yeah. and anyone who's done the 12 steps who hasn't had a relationship with God, I would argue that they, they, didn't either, do they didn't do the, they didn't do the 12 steps. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's in, it's in all three God for, uh, no, five to another person and to God. You know, it's just, it's it's everywhere in there. And like, I don't see how you could do it without without having a relationship with God or at least try, you know, having one of those like educational variety spiritual experiences where it's like you're right. it's slowly happening. It's just, there's no way. Because if you're not having a relationship with God, you're just kind of relying on yourself to right. get through mm-hmm. it. And that's 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 not what we're doing anymore. Right. right. And I, I feel like I was actually doing the same thing. Like I was like going through the book kind of this morning, like, look, oh, is there a specific spot I want to do for like a reading or whatever? And, and I was just kind of like flipping around in the book, you know, just like seeing if anything just jumped out at me. And then I was like, oh yeah, it's the whole fucking book. <laughs> literally. It's literally on every <laughs> single page. Like there's not, and this just goes back to, the same thing we talk about, which is like when I hear people talk like this, I'm like, oh, you've just never read the book. Right. Like you read you read the 12 and 12 and drop the rock. You actually you've just never cracked. No, it. that right. used Alcoholics to be Anonymous. me. That used to be yeah. me. I mean, I did the steps a million times through all sorts of different ways and kind of would read the book as like a supplemental thing and, yeah. and never really like, <laughs> like took it in, you know, I would mm-hmm. read this and be like, okay, yeah, God, sure. Okay. It live life on a spiritual. Okay. Yep. And then I wouldn't, it wasn't that psychic change that, that is that you have because of your relationship with God that never happened right. mm-hmm. until I was like a year sober. Right. So to me, what's, most important for uh for me to express when i have conversations with people about this issue is i I think fred you were kind of alluding to it so like i'm not claiming to know what you've experienced i'm not saying that you're wrong i'm not Mm -hmm. claiming to know what you've done for your recovery i'm not even claiming that you're not recovered Uh, what, what I'm saying is that the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is entirely completely contained in about 113 pages of this book called Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's where a hundred percent of the directions for the 12 steps are, which is the entire program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And in order to do that and to say that you've completely gone through that work, huge, huge chunks, starting with the second step, involve a power greater than yourself being something that you obtain a relationship and dependence upon, right? Mm -hmm. So saying that you've done that, but you're an atheist means one of those two things is not true. So I've met tons of people, had conversations with people who insist over and over again that they are an atheist who has done the steps. And then they describe an active prayer life and they describe uh, believing in like a power and they describe it as like nature or whatever and all this stuff. And they do all this stuff, but they adamantly refuse to say that they're not an atheist. Mm. 
And uh, to me, it's like, you either don't know what an atheist is or <laughs> you, you, right. yeah, you know what I mean? Or like, <laughs> it's just like, what is, what is happening here? So to me, to my thinking, um, there's kind of two, two options. Like, uh, you're either mistaken about what an atheist is or you're mistaken about what AA is. And mm. a lot of what we end up talking about on the podcast is what is AA and what is AA not? And if you fundamentally believe that AA is like a bunch of stuff I heard in meetings or kind of whatever I think AA should be, then yeah, you could, you could, you could believe whatever, right? You could believe that like I could keep murdering people and I'll still be spiritually sound or what, like who knows. Right. Um, but having a relationship with a power greater than yourself is absolutely a requirement of the 12 steps hands down. Now, anytime that you want to like rewrite, rewrite the 12 steps right there, you cross out the words Alcoholics Anonymous. You're no longer doing Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't care what you call it. Don't call it Alcoholics mm -hmm. Anonymous because all right. these rewritten 12 steps where it reframes all the the God stuff or whatever, that's no longer AA. You know, it's like if I was like, I really like baseball, but now I'm going to include a whole lot of, uh, you know, pickled herring in the rules, right? It's going to involve tons and tons of pickled herring. <laughs> People are like, what the hell? What is that? That's not baseball. John really showing his depth of knowledge of the how ba of how baseball works. Pickled herring is going to be involved extensively. Every base, you have to just eat tons of pickled herring. But I say, I'm actually it's like, interested that's in how this. That's how ridiculous it is because it's like, no, well, this is this is this is new modern baseball. This is what baseball is now, and I get to right. call this baseball. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you say this isn't baseball, you're a fucking kook, then I get to say, hey, you're a fascist or a bigot or whatever, right? <laughs> you know, because like, hey, baseball needs to, uh, you know, conform to the times. If I say something that actually is like postmodern, I'll sound like a fucking asshole. So <laughs> pickled herring <laughs> is what I'm going with. <laughs> and like, to be fair, I do, I do understand the hesitancy and the scariness that people do feel, you know, newcomers feel like, okay, now right. you have to be like trusting God. And it just, it, it does sound culty. It does. It is yeah. it, like, it sounds like if you're not, if you don't know really, or you've just gone to a couple meetings and you know, you just are like, okay, this weird call is like telling me like, Oh, I have to go believe in God. And, and, uh, and do all and turn my life over to a doorknob or, you know, whatever people say <laughs> in meetings, like, um, it, it sounds weird, but then when you really read the book, it, it is like, okay, well do you, it's like very gentle in the agnostics, you know, it's like, okay, well do you believe in like electrons? Okay. Right. Maybe do you believe in love? Okay. Yeah. Here, maybe, maybe you're already having faith and maybe like you're, you just have to have that willingness mm -hmm. to believe, you know, and, I've had sponsors too in the past that were like, okay, let's like write out what, what is God. And like, before I had ever done step three or anything like that. And so it was like, I don't know. I just had to like make up stuff of like, okay, well, I think God is like this, you know, woman who's this and that. And it's, it's just like, you don't have to like know what you're believing in. It just has to be 
not you. Right. Right. Mm, yeah. I love that too, because when you were starting to talk about the, um, like the cult idea, it, to me, it's funny because it's the meeting stuff that sounds more culty yes. totally. than the book stuff. Yes. And, and I just, again, I just comes back to like, I just, you know, most people today are being introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous through a meeting rather than yes. through an individual who's bringing it to them and explaining how this process works and, right. and really doing the proper discovery of e whether or not, you know, the, the, the reading you start, it starts with, if you mm -hmm. are as seriously alcoholic, yes. right? It's like, um, there's a bunch of people who are going to listen to this or, or maybe not. I mean, there's a bunch of people who are living in the world right now who we would quantify as like quote unquote meeting makers. Right. And that's working for them. They hit a rough patch in their life. They showed up at this place and just plugging into this room, uh, as this like group therapy thing clicked in and they're good. You know, yep. they maybe are not as seriously alcoholic as we were, you know? And so then they end up very much sounding like a cult, you know, skip the yeah. family get together this weekend because you have to be at the AA thing because the AA, because you can't ever say no to Alcoholics Anonymous. And if you're not here every day, you're just going to drink and like you, this is right. a thing. You just got to do it. Like right. you got to, um, it's like taking your medicine. Like, and it's, I love the thing you said, Brittany, like right when we started talking and you said like when you were going through it the first few times and you were kind of using the book as like this quasi thing and you said like, oh, like uh, just kind of go out and like live spiritually. Like I, I it's like we all have that fund in the book says like deep down in every man, woman, and child is a fundamental understanding of God. Like mm -hmm. if I say to a room full of adults, go out and live spiritually, most people have a pretty good idea of what that means. Like they, they know in, mm -hmm. intuitively like what that means. Just go, go try to be a better person. Right. Um, and the, pro the problem is, is I spent my entire life trying to be a better person. Yeah. Like I was, I was, I was actively fighting against who I was as a person. Yet every day I would find myself in situations where I'd be like, there I am again, show, you know, just there, that there's that person again that I can't help but be right. Yeah. And it, it was the process of the steps that brought me, you talked about, you know, the, yeah. the psychic change, the personality change. Um, and, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's like, um, it just keeps coming back to me for me to this idea of like this, this, kind of this topic looking a little differently as um, if you would just work the steps, you would discover that you aren't an atheist. Right. Yes. <laughs> if, you, if you would just actually do the thing, you know, that is needed or better yet, uh, if you, if you aren't as seriously alcoholic as we were, do the other thing it recommends, you know, don't drink for a year or try some controlled drinking and maybe you'll find out that you are and then do the steps. You know, it really just mm -hmm. comes, comes back to that, that very basic stuff that we always talk about. Sometimes I think we boil it down too much. Like we're so basic, but it's just like, I don't want to, why are we going to overcomplicate something? It's so, so simple. simple. It's so, so simple. It's just, it's like, how do you do the third step? you just try to not put yourself in the forefront of the decision-making. And it's, mm. it is like, it is like, uh, I always think of it kind of as like jumping off of a cliff, you know, you're like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to, and, but there's like a bottom right there. And you're just like, Oh, I'm fine. Actually. It's like, you do have to have a faith that it's going to be okay. And like that God is going to step in and, and be in your life. And it's, it is, it is a faith, but it's just very simple to do. Well, and it's interesting because for me, that faith didn't come 
from me. That faith came from sitting across from somebody who I could tell had been where I was right. sitting now, yeah. but he was obviously not there anymore. Yes, yes. So the faith was was in the fact that this guy is on different footing mm-hmm. and the footing he's on is attractive. Yeah. And the footing I'm on is wildly unattractive. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like I wanted to be anywhere but where I was and he was somewhere else. And he was like, yeah, man, you can be here too. You just got to do X, Y, and Z and you'll get there. Don't mm-hmm. worry about how or why or any of that bolt doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You just need to do the thing. Just focus on doing the thing, yeah. you know? Circular Changes Rehabilitation Center Alumni Testimonials They had this cool, super futuristic-looking patio where I smoked a shit ton of cigarettes. Oh, and they had cornhole. It's pretty sick. Circular Changes Treating the whole patient, whatever that means. So, <clears throat> I know all three of us have done the directions out of the book and had the experience that it describes being the product of those directions. But, um, I, I think what would be of value in this particular conversation is just to clarify me personally, I definitely know with Fred as well. Um, I think from the story, your story that I've heard, at least Brittany, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, I didn't come to the 12 steps with anything resembling any, anything approaching a belief in God. Um, I came to the 12 steps with, zero faith, uh, zero desire for any type of spiritual way of life. What I came to the 12 steps with was the desperation and a very (laughs) unappealing, unattractive way of life that Fred was just describing. And my experience was that what you were talking about with your reading earlier, page 20 and 21, right? Describes different type of drinkers. Page 21 real alcoholic describes this person who after a certain point um, has no ability to control the amount they drink once they start drinking. And then we get into 23, 24 where it talks about, I'm going to continue to start drinking even when I stop drinking, because Mm -hmm. I also, in addition to that, have this mental blank spot where I, I buy into a lie or don't even think about it. And I start drinking which takes Mm -hmm. me back to the physical thing and I can't control it. Right. So I have those things coupled and then getting into your reading on 25, that is a hopeless, totally fucked situation. If I am as hopelessly alcoholic as that description in, in there's a solution, then I really do have two choices, right? I have two options. And so, and really it's just one choice. Am I going to do this shit or not? Right. So for me, what I came to the 12 steps was with was this misery that made me open enough to look at step one. Step one gave me the openness and the willingness to go, okay, um, 
I have no power. There's got to be something more than no power, right? And then going through the steps got me connected to a God of my own understanding. It wasn't there and I didn't create it and I didn't journal about it and I didn't try to figure it out. <laughs> what I did was the directions in the book, which don't ask me to do that, right? So right. is that kind of, is it, was that your experience with the directions? Well, I did have an, I had an intellectual understanding of, you know, a spirit of the universe mm. more than like, a God. I, you know, I went to church when I was young, but none of that resonated. I didn't have any big resentment about that or anything. I just, I was, I was my higher power right. and I had an intellectual concept of like, Oh, well there's the moon, you know, that's mm. pretty cool. It moves around. It does all this stuff. Like, you know, what made the stars, you know, I like, I, I kind of had this like belief that there was, there was something bigger than me, but was I about to trust that or rely on that and use that as a solution to my alcoholism? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. No way. Because that sounded weird. And that sounded like just not like I, I wanted like hard evidence that that was a thing. Mm -hmm. And I was in a position where when I came, I mean, the last time I got sober, the one I'm still, I'm, living now. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was in a very, very hopeless place and a very just complete demoralization. And I, I didn't want to go to AA. And so I, I was just like intellectual. I was like, I, I was living in a different country. I was like, I don't, I don't want to, um, go to these weird meetings. You know, I've done it before. It's not going to work for me. But immediately God came into my life and that's how I know I got that hard evidence of like, oh, this is something that I can't do by myself and God is there for me because I knew God was there because I was able to not pick up a drink for like two months on my own. I mean, I was still like getting high, but, <laughs> but, but I, I, I like didn't drink. And I was like, that's crazy. You know, like I, I, how can I not drink? Like there's something else here. That's like, like, I, I just had this understanding that God wants me to be sober and that, that stuck with me until I did make it back into AA and finally got full sober, real sober and did the steps. Mm -hmm. Not, not New York Yankees sober, but like, no, no, no. LA Dodgers sober. No. Uh -uh. <laughs> well, I think it would actually be Houston Astros. Houston Astros sober. That's what it would be. I go where the herring you know, is. You know, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. the most herring. <laughs> um, really bringing this to the 1930s. We really are. Well, they did. Uh, so what I was, uh, what I was just thinking about as you were, as you were talking, Brittany is like, you were talking about that place of demoralization and this is something that I talk to new sponsees about um, when we, when we, if we have to have a conversation about God, which I 90% of the time, I really don't. Cause like they're usually ready. Like when, by the time they get to me, they're fucked, you know? Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> but one thing I'll always say is, and, and here's, this is where, you know, in, in the back of the book, in the spiritual experience, which is one of my favorite yeah. Um, parts of the book. I absolutely love spiritual experience. So it's the first place I take sponsees. I think it really mm -hmm. lays out a lot of what we're doing here. And, and it talks about what 
is required to move on with this. Right. One of the key things it talks about is being honest with yourself. And so one thing I'll ask sponsees is, have you ever been in a place where you felt like you were so hopeless that you called out to the universe or to even to God or to God or whatever and said, if you get me out of this, I will do X, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'll never drink again. I'll go back and be a good parent. I'll do whatever. Have you ever done that? Because if you have, you're not a fucking atheist. Right. Now I wanted to believe I was an atheist. I wanted to carry this fucking thing around and be like, Oh, religion, but people are so dumb. Like, I mean, like the ideas that I had were so basic that it's boring. <laughs> like I'm not in, original in any way. It's like, I'm not a thought provoker. It was so stupid. Everybody was thinking <laughs> the same way as I was like, but in my mind it was very, I was so forward thinking, you know, but in reality, when I was dope sick or extremely hungover or broke or my life had fallen apart and my wife had left me, guess what I did when I was sleeping on the shitty motel room bed? You know, mm-hmm. I said to do something, I said, get me out, help me, mm-hmm. get me out of this, you know? And, uh, and, and if a sponsee can be honest enough with themselves to recognize that they've already done that, then as you said, like they're already on the way. Like they already have an understanding of what faith really looks like. We've just found this beautiful process to get you from that to the personality change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, <clears throat> I love the spiritual ex- appendix. Like I, I get, uh, I get all like, you know, butterflies when I hear it read often, like if somebody reads it in the meeting, I'm just like, Oh my God, my skin will tingle. Like it's just, it's really, really cool. Um, and I love that they reemphasize willingness there because it really goes back to like, am, am I, am I doing anything? You know, cause it's like, I can fucking bullshit and like talk about stuff and I could talk, you know, I've had sponsees who talk the best God game on earth and then do fucking nothing, you know? Right. They don't do anything. That was me. Right. They don't do anything. They don't get connected. They don't have new power flow in. The obsession right. doesn't get removed. They yeah. white knuckle it for a while and then they go away, you know? And like, that's no less tragic than someone who comes and says like, I'm an atheist. I won't believe in God. I won't do this. I won't do that. Um, and then doesn't do anything. It's the same fucking result. The same shit. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So like what, what I love about this book, you talk about Brittany about how simple it is. What I love is that, Page 47 tells me I only need to answer one question for step two. That's it. One Mm -hmm. question. Yeah. And it's really open. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe there is a power greater than myself? Like breaking that down, a power, (laughs) (laughs) a power, it's it's like, and it's not even, P is not even capitalized, I don't think. I'm not looking at it, but do I now believe or am I even willing to believe? Like that is so bottom line um that is as open as it could possibly be now that coupled with the fact that like right above that on the page it says like hey dude you know <laughs> i'm paraphrasing here <laughs> it's a, <laughs> no i think it is hey dude it says hey fam <laughs> um, it says hey any spiritual terms in this book you know don't bristle at them like just take it and just think of whatever comes to your mind, substitute whatever mm. words you want. Like we don't care. Yeah. And then even like 
you know, we've talked about this before, even further on in the book, once you're recovered and you're sponsoring people, you know, or in step 11, even the most religious sounding step ever, it says like, many of us are not religious. We're not in a religion, Mm -hmm. you know, like even at that point and, and in, and in chapter seven, talking about step 12 stuff over and over again, it's saying there's nothing that's going to conflict with your spirituality, your, your Mm -hmm. way of life, your way of expressing your spiritual belief. And that includes like, I don't believe in the father of Abraham, God or whatever it is. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, but what it doesn't include is having zero belief in a power greater than yourself. It does not include that, you know, um, because also all throughout the book, just like Fred said, I mean, you look at the page 29, um, I'm just going to read this real quick and I'll shut up. But so when page 29, when it's describing, so if we open the book, right, you sit down with a new person, open the book. I think that we should maybe start every AA meeting like this where we open the book and we say, okay, here's what the book says. The book is right. The book Mm. says it's a textbook. The book says the purpose of it is to show you precisely how the people who wrote it recovered. And then in the forward, it's going to tell us here's what the recovery rate was like when that's how we use the book. Right. And so if we use it as a textbook that shows us precisely how the people who wrote it recovered, it's about 75% of the time you'll permanently recover and you'll never drink again. Right. Mm -hmm. So when it was being used like that, these people, who are writing this book, um, this is who it's referring to. It says, each individual in the personal stories describes in his own language and from his own point of view the way he established his relationship with God. Not the way that he stopped drinking, you know, <laughs> or or even the way that he became, uh, you know, a deacon at his church. Like, it's neither of those extremes. It's just how they re- establish their relationship with God. Keeping in mind the word God, we are told explicitly in this textbook can mean whatever it means to us. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a story about how you establish your relationship with whatever you believe God is, it doesn't sound like you've done the stuff in the book. That would be my interpretation of that. You know, because we're talking about people who did this process, you know? Right. Yeah. I just, I love how personal it is too. It's not like you have to accept our, our conception of what God is and follow up what we think. It's like, you're right. going to, it's a very personal, it's your own conception of God right. and you're going to, you're going to have a new power and direction if you take the other steps. The thing is like when I did I, I had a pretty strong conception after after I was able to white knuckle not drinking. I was like, wow, cool. Mm-hmm. And then I would um and, and about a year a year, year and a half later, when I actually did the steps out of the book, I would, like I had such a powerful spiritual experience that I was like, this is what I was looking for when I was drinking and getting right. high. Like this is the feeling I wanted. And it all came because it was like, yeah, okay, step three, but then you have to launch into step four and you have to do the action to like get that relationship going and clear out all the shit that's in the way. And then it just like, 
I intellectually, it doesn't really like, I'm just like, why would that make sense? You have to write an inventory, do all that. but it just, it works. Like right. it just, it does. It does. That's how you, that's how you find that. Right. You've got to get out of the way. And there's, there's a good reason why there's not like chapter 5.5, why it works. Like here's exactly right. why this works. Like, Right. <laughs> I, I think there's a good reason for that because it's like, well, okay. So you, you, you're describing having this life experience of like, yeah, I was white knuckling. And from what it sounds like to a certain point, and I've certainly done this in AA, um, kind of showing up, punching the clock, saying the stuff that sounds cool in meetings and kind of yep. like trying my best to, to apply to my life the things I hear people saying. And uh, there's just the needed power was not there. It's just not there. And then I have this experience. I go through these these directions and I get the experience that it describes like on page 84, 85, these 10 step promises. I, I feel this stuff in my life and I'm like, holy shit, there's like a there's like a thing here. There's like a thing that you can do. Yeah. And like you get this result. And this is this is the heartbreak or this is why I feel the heartbreak that I feel when I go to treatment center meetings every week and talk to people and convey this information. And then there's always somebody, at least one person who's like, yeah, I'm so glad you guys came here. You know, like uh, I'm getting out tomorrow and, you know, I'm just, I'm going to do it. You know, it works if you work it. So I'm going to do meetings and I'm going to do, I'm going to read the book and I'm going to just keep coming back and I'm going to not drink one day at a time. And I'm just like, wait, what, what did you, what? What's <laughs> Hold <thing."> on. <laughs> I'm like, there's this thing. You can actually do a thing. Like every time I would show up to a therapist when I was like trying to, you know, live well and be happy, sober or drunk, I would always be like, okay, how do I, what's a plan of action? <laughs> you know? And it's like, right. Oh, there's a plan of action here, you know? And, and you just, it tells you like, hurry up and do this stuff so that you right. can, you can be living in a, in a great way and free of this and not having the mental obsession and, and just living in this way that you never thought was possible. Hurry. It's, <laughs> you know, go do it. Repeatedly. <laughs> Okay. Brittany, do you know about the 12 questions? I do. Okay. Love them. So, 12 questions. Controversial. <laughs> 12 <laughs> questions with our guest, Brittany S. Um, and we, uh, special extra contra controversial <laughs> edition. <laughs> this is going to be all Yay. COVID questions. <laughs> uh, I'll go first. Okay. Question one, uh, what is your least favorite AA slogan and why? Hmm. Oh God. I, there's just one I have to pick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, am I blanking right now? I hate all of them. <laughs> I literally hate all of them. Okay. Why? So all of them, why? Um, okay, maybe not all of them. Um, all that's in my head right now is just like, keep coming back, it works if you work it. But mm -hmm. I do, it, it does work if you work it, but it's like the, the keep coming back part is, is, I don't think, very true. Like, meetings aren't 
going to keep you sober right. coming back to meetings uh, on a daily basis. Like we've been talking about, like that's, that's not doing the work. Right. Um, but the second part of that, yeah, it does work. If you work at the steps, meeting the steps, not like going and making your, your coffee and showing up and sharing about, you know, your day every day. Like that's, that's not the program. Right. But I just, that people say it like, like I've been in meetings where that one that um, we were talking about in my old uh, home group, somebody shared, like, I'm having a really, I'm having a hard time. It's someone who had just relapsed after having like seven years or something. And she was like, not okay. And somebody in the middle of her saying that somebody just goes, keep coming back, you know? And it was just like, Oh man, no, yeah. you know, it just, it's, it just sounds very insensitive too. When people say it, like, like I, I, I've been in meetings before when I was new and like crying and like having this whole thing and like, people just keep coming back. You know, it just, it's like right. kind of, it's just not like, it just made me feel like, no, I'm not going to fucking keep like, fuck right. you. I'm talking, you know? Well, it's like, I have nothing to offer you at all, but you know, keep coming back. Right. <laughs> it's just it's anyway, but you know, it's <laughs> AA as a war of attrition. Yeah, right? exactly. It's like <laughs> we, I will just outlast the craving. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, the kind of vapor lock on the slogans I can relate with because it's like when I really sit there and start thinking about the slogans, or I guess overthinking them, like, okay, does it work if you work it? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But are we telling you what it is that you need to work by saying, keep coming back, it works if you work it? Now, in most meetings where they say, keep coming back, it works if you work it, you would have to sift through 55 minutes of shit that isn't it in order to, you know, call out what it is that you need to work, which will work. (laughs) So it's like... It's very dismissive, you know, um, what really, so I had a sponsor early on that we were in a meeting and she, and at the end, you know, any announcements, nobody had any announcements and she goes, keep coming back. It works if you work it. And it just like pissed me off so bad. I was just like, I don't want you to be my sponsor. And <laughs> and that. then she, it, tur- it turns out like, You're she, not my she, mom. <laughs> And then she got mad at me because I made this like face to her and I was like, ew. And she was like, she got mad at me. And then we started going through the the steps and she was like, yeah, I haven't really finished these. And I was like, oh God. And she's like, but I don't have to finish them. I just have to be like more than you. And I was just like, wait, so you're going to give me advice on amends and you never made amends? Like, I don't know. Yeah. It just... But because mostly because the people that say the slogans are people that I don't generally want to hear right. from. Maybe that's why. Well, and there's a large contingency of people in AA who kind of think that like all of this stuff is similar to like, do you remember that episode of Seinfeld where like Elaine has the boyfriend and they show up to the football game and he's like painted, like his body is painted and then he's like, he's like, Oh, you're one of those guys, you know? And it's like, like, Oh, there's, there's basically two groups of AA. There's like people who think like that stuff 
it's kind of it's kind of like ah, it doesn't really matter. He's just one of those kind of people. Right. And then there's the the group of real alcoholics who understand that there's a chronic progressive fatal illness that ties us together that will fucking kill a real alcoholic if all they are given is because it doesn't tell you what to do at all it doesn't it, no and it's just it's just so dismissive and i don't know it just it doesn't tell yeah it doesn't tell you anything and like well, and if you're in a place where you're suffering and you hear that it's just like do you even fucking care <laughs> exactly no that, that, no <laughs> By by putting the two together, it is insinuating that the it of the working right. part is coming the back. coming back yeah. to the room, which right. is, you know, but it, so it's like, <laughs> I, I get completely where John's going because I'm, like I get into that space too, where I'm like, well, I can understand the etymology of where this might've come from. And like, if you could somehow get across to them that what, what they're actually saying is, is that like similar to Jim who relapsed half a dozen times in rapid succession, like we want him to keep coming to Alcoholics Anonymous for help. <laughs> we don't want him to ever feel like he's not welcome here just because he drinks in fact he's more welcome here when you know if he drinks it's fine but that's not what comes across especially right. because people have now taken it to be that passive aggressive newcomer yeah. overshare yeah so i'm gonna hit him with and so old timer in the back <laughs> hits him with the keep, keep coming back but you know yeah. like yep. uh, exactly. and so it's like it's completely gone off the rails and uh lost all its original meaning which is why it's become the shitty slogan that you picked for your great answer <laughs> right and can i can i just uh put a little more icing on this the, <laughs> no let's keep going we've got a second 12, episode with 12 Brittany. just all about this one slogan let's really just hammer this home <laughs> the, the other thing that really bothers me about keep coming back is if you're saying that to someone you don't understand step one because yeah. step one means that I might leave and fucking never come back no matter how badly I want to come back because I don't have the power of choice or control. And if you, if you are looking at everyone as ostensibly being that person when they walk into an AA meeting and all you have to give them is keep coming back, you are useless. You are being useless to that person. And it is insulting. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not saying it in a belittling way, you're not helping them at all. No. Yeah. Cool. Well, I just wanted to <laughs> make that yeah. even more depressing. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna switch out my order. I'm gonna give you a, a bit of a softball here, just to. Um, okay, how long did it take you to do the steps? Four weeks, five weeks. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, really great. Uh... Highly recommend. Yeah. <laughs> what uh <laughs> I was gonna steal one of Fred's questions. What's your favorite AA slogan and why? <laughs> Not applicable. Um <laughs> I that mean, wasn't seriously a question. I, I'm, okay, I'm yeah. I was like, I'm, I don't, like, I'm like, let's I talk about that for I twenty just... minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh easy one. Well kinda. Bill or Bob? Well, I mean, I really don't like Bill. Uh, like as a person? Yeah, I just, um, I just, I really don't. I think he, I, 
Uh, so I got sober in a place where, you know how he has like kind of people do go like pilgrimages to <laughs> certain places in his life. Yes. Uh, his childhood home was, was pretty close to where I got sober in, mm-hmm. in Vermont. And um, people would just be like, oh, we're going to go to the Bill W house and, uh, you know, camp out and do what I go to the grave. I don't Have know. It was just all this. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it's just, um, I don't think he was a really good person, you know? Um, he makes it pretty pretty clear to me that, that he wasn't. It just, like, I'm just so happy that, you know, God was able to get this message through him. Right. But I think that it was all God. I don't think it was, like, he, from what I read, you know, I just think he's, he's pretty egotistical. Um, but, so yeah, I would have to go with, with Bob. Word. on that one cool um when did you feel the nearness of your creator when i was about three names into my fourth step nice. fourth column that's awesome yeah i mean i did feel i did feel near to my creator like i mentioned when i when i was quasi sober and um and li- like really just lost um but when i really felt through doing the steps was was on the beginning of my fourth column on on step four and it just all kind of clicked and i was like oh i have a role in everything right. <laughs> nice and like why is it like it just all became it's kind of indescribable really the feeling but it was just like this overwhelming feeling of like oh god's here and I'm I'm doing this like in this way that I never thought I could, and I never never thought I I never saw this for myself that I would understand, you know, and and really just like live in this way. Right. Awesome. Uh, let's see. What's your idea of the perfect AA meeting? No slogans. <laughs> Uh, like, <laughs> uh, like, like really no, uh, no crusty old timers, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just given the can share, mm-hmm. um, definitely like several newcomers who, who really are receptive and, and trying to, trying to get the message and then everyone else just full of the desire to help the newcomer and, and share in a way that they hear nice in a very like, uh, just on, like, I love meetings where, where there's newcomers and tons of newcomers, because I feel like it's when, when people, even like the, the people that really kind of don't know what they're talking about. It's like, everyone kind of like gets this, like, Oh, I gotta like go to, you know, talk about, you know, step one, two, three, like really get to like that, that place where they could be helpful. And I think it really changes the whole dynamic because that's what it's about. Really. Like I go to meetings to help the newcomer, right? you know, Hell yeah. Almost like the reason that we get together <laughs> is so that newcomers can find the fellowship they seek. It's almost like yeah. that would be the reason why and we would pass on the message. Yeah. Right. From right. one alcoholic a, to another. Like as opposed so that like uh so that as opposed to like so that Billy Boy can come and tell us about his cheating ex wife or whatever. 
I'm gonna tell. So the first when I came back from the, from the country I was living in, I was like, I'm gonna go to AA because I want to meet some some other sober people. I might just give this a shot. I would smoke a joint, go to the meeting, smoke a joint after. <laughs> and God, I'm not. I'm not. You probably recruit a few people even to have well, that second would, joint with you. Like yeah, because I would be like smelling. You know, when somebody smokes, it's pretty obvious. Like yeah. they just mm-hmm. smoked in their car right before they came in here, and I would be like stinking up that room and like I went to this meeting where they were like they they kind of like made their own I I didn't realize it at the time I just went on the meeting list and said oh it's a meeting close to me let me go to it and it was all it was like six dudes like roofers and I walked in and I'm just like is this a men's meeting and they're like no honey come on in and whatever and they're all just talk I didn't hear one mention of alcohol I had like I I I, I wasn't really sober but i was like you know i was looking for you know something a message and um it was just they're all talked about their roofing jobs and their wives and like you know what day they had that day and i was like am i in a meeting like i had no idea am i in a meeting that was (laughs) (laughs) and then i went to a different meeting in the area and they were like oh yeah don't go to that group like they you know they they they're weird they do their own thing and like there was this like rivalry but then i went to the other group and like it, i went to a newcomer meeting on on friday nights and we just read living sober every week Oof. and like and talked about like you know eat candy and do this to help you know and it was just tips and tricks <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's just really a miracle i got i stayed sober for right. as long as i did before i really did the work out of the book because how the hell like right. did that <laughs> uh well i i feel like i was gonna ask this question but i feel like we already know the answer because i was gonna say how did your sponsor approach you but obviously you were you were uh in, <laughs> you were in the market for a new roof so <laughs> <laughs> well no nobody actually so the only person that ever approached me was that girl who hadn't done the steps and she mm-hmm. was like i need a sponsee because my sponsor told me i need a sponsee and like i'm i want you to be my sponsee and i was like i don't know about that <laughs> you're not a she salesman are you <laughs> with all the slogans and at the meeting and i would keep coming back an announcement and i was like I I don't I really was like I don't I don't think this is a good idea um and we did work together for a while and then I was just like you know what I gotta dump you like I I don't want to do this with you um and then I had another sponsor who brought me through like the worksheets and the 12 and 12 um and then I was like gonna relapse and she's like well you don't want it so you know sorry um and then i then i met clay uh through my brother on zoom and i did um the the steps in that four or five week time quickly and uh i guess i i have more of like a posse of sponsors uh than than one I really do rely on God for a lot of the things that I would have in the past relied on a sponsor for like, Oh, what do I do? And like, I don't have that. Um, I don't, I, when I do need, you know, to, to read an inventory or do, do some kind of get some kind of sponsorly 
advice. Like I do have a variety of people I can call, but I don't have that like traditional kind of like, you know, I'm going to check in with you because that's what you do. Right. And like, you know, I, I just, that, that didn't work for me. So I feel like, uh, sorry, I know it's your turn, John. I'm just gonna, I wanted to, <laughs> uh, I feel like when, when I hear that from people who have that kind of thing, like, cause I know a lot of people in, in our circle, in my circle, um, kind of run in a very similar way. It's like, yeah, you have that guy or that person who takes you from A to B. Um, but then as you get going and as the fellowship grows up around you, you know, um, the amount of people you have that you can contact for a 10 step or that you might reach out to for, you know, like just whatever is, is larger and it doesn't become just going to that one person all the time. Mm -hmm. And often the, the person I reach out to isn't it is is given to me as from from my perspective is like as an intuition from god like yeah uh, i got that one thing i wanted yeah i can't quite wrap my head around this problem or i'm I'm trying to wrap my head around this problem too much and you know so i'm gonna and it's like oh you should you know you should call so and so and then exactly. it's like they're in the fold you know and uh so yeah i think i what i was getting to is i think that's actually the sign that you're in like a really great kind of aa group you know right. mm-hmm. yeah And I mean, you know, that's, I feel like that's also another one of these oral tradition things that's kind of just become a rote standard in AA, but is never really discussed in the actual book, you know, in the book, it talks about sharing your fifth step with person or persons, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, even a priest yeah, (laughs) it could be, could be just some random. Yeah. I read my footstep to, to Clay's wife, who at the time I had never had a one-on-one conversation with and Mm -hmm. who I still to this day, I've never met in person. And I just, you know, was like, Oh, you seem like a nice person. You want to hear my, you know, it just, yeah. Doesn't require the attention of. She's a kook that one. (laughs) Even with the mid, same thing. You know, it's like, it's you know preferable to seek. You know, it's also beneficial to seek counsel from people or whatever. And and even Mm -hmm. ten steps says we discuss them with someone immediately. You know, it doesn't say like call the dude who (laughs) helped you get sober. You know what I mean? It's just like right. Yeah. On and on and on. It's about dependence upon God, right? Mm. You know. People Weird. are instruments. Um, <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so just so we're not, you know, totally shitting all over the fellowship side of this thing. Um, what is your favorite part about the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous? I do love the fellowship. Um, the fellowship that I, that I crave, I finally have that um, because of, largely because of the pandemic and go everything moving on to zoom. If I was in my area geographically only, you know, I did love, even then I still, I still am friends with them. And, um, you know, my little 60 year old guy friends, like I, I, I love the fact that it, it is really all walks of life and like we're people that normally wouldn't, wouldn't mix. I love that. I, it's just like, you know, the people that you meet in meetings are just so random. And like, it's, right. I, I love that. I love that, that I can, you know, one of my friends is, a he's in his probably nearing 70 and he's, he's a monk. Like 
and he's he was an alcoholic monk like it's just i love that it's just so random but for the fellowship that i have now it's wow like what don't i love about that really it's just like unconditional love you know i haven't met almost any of them in person and i love them like love them and can call them for anything they can call me for anything it's just like this this it's deeper than a friendship it's like you know i found my like my soul family really and it's it's amazing you know I, I wouldn't have had that had i not you know been an aa nice it's awesome so i sometimes i throw in a like a, a food question but i'm gonna mix it up so um <laughs> Who is your least favorite Yankee? It's going to be baseball, Yankee? isn't it? I do it, you asshole. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It's a two-part question. <laughs> who, is le- who is your least favorite Yankee, and why is it Alex Rodriguez? Exactly. <laughs> it is Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> He's just such a douche. Like... <laughs> And he's not like, he's not like a, you know, lifelong Yankee either. So I don't Mm. feel bad about that. Like he's just, he's just very douchey. Um, Do I have to elaborate on that? I mean, I get it completely. No, no. (laughs) I don't get it at all. You've nailed it. I have. Yeah. I have all the respect in the world. I have all the respect in the world for the captain. Of course. But I mean, A-Rod. he's a little douchey. Too. Like, I, They're my, all, my I mean, favorite Yankee is Mariano Rivera. Like, well, hands down, obsessed yeah. with him. Love him. Yeah. But, yeah, the captain, I mean, he's, I, I have to like him, but. Right. Are these SpongeBob characters or? <laughs> <laughs> John, if we could these ever could get Pokemon, you. As far as I. If we could ever get you to a Red Sox-Yankees game, you would appreciate uh the the excitement and the energy of the of the atmosphere of the place i've been to major league baseball games mm-hmm. in san francisco i just oh yeah that's a good spot too but mm-hmm. I, I i still don't care. i don't care <laughs> I, it's, 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 I it's more than not caring it's just i just don't have any i, I don't know anything about right. any of that so literally when you guys are yeah. like the captain and junior and little <laughs> Little two eyes, or, you know, like I don't know what all three like. toes, <laughs> the pickled herring guy. I mean, as far as I, I know, I think that's Johnny Damon. Yeah, as far as I know, <laughs> when you're when you're in the stands at a at a, a baseball scrimmage, you know, there's a guy walking up and down the stands with a big big basket of pickled herring pickled herring here and you, know, you hold up two fingers and he throws you two two little sacks of pickled you're, herring i thought you were like a seal and you have to like catch it in your mouth <laughs> i mean that that could be i don't you know more about baseball than me i don't that could be how it goes i don't know uh, okay so <laughs> i thought when you were like i usually do food related but uh, what's your? I thought you were gonna go. What's your? Who's your favorite Yankee? And how many hot dogs do you think they could eat? If I were gonna like <laughs> turn it into food. Um, so, how many stories have you read from the back of the book? Um, maybe like six. Uh, only only in meetings where we big book meetings right. where they read the whole text. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, I've had people tell me I should read this or that, but I haven't. 
Okay. <laughs> so, okay, so you prompted a part two of that question for me. Part two. So the first one is how many <laughs> stories from the back of the book you read. Part two is how weird is it when you show up to a big book study and they're reading mm. some random fucking story from the back of the book? Yeah. Well, okay. So when I was new, I was like very combatant in meetings. Mm. Like I would really question a lot of things. Um, and I remember we were reading someone about like a pilot and he was like, everyone was sharing about it and they were like, oh, this guy is just so great. And I'm like, this guy sucks. Like, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I was like, I don't care. Like, I don't care, you know? And yeah. they were just kind of like, no, I don't know. It just, it's weird. Yeah. Cause like I, when I go to a big book meeting, it's like, yeah, I want to read like the, the, the meat of it, you know, and, and the instructions and all that. But yeah, then and also the stories are so long too. So like you, like they cycle through, and it's like for like three months you're like reading the story. <laughs> so also, I uh, again because I don't know, I'm just wondering, is that like a super Yankees fan thing to do at a meeting to just go and mm -hmm. just shit Very all over Yankees fans? I would say it's more of like a Red Sox thing to do. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Actually. <laughs> <laughs> greatest franchise in the history of baseball anyways um okay uh how many meetings uh do you attend weekly and you can give like both zoom and in-person kind of answers um pre okay uh like maybe like one or two mm -hmm. sometimes none um, what, it what, what? <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, I don't keep coming back. <laughs> um, no, I do. I, I just, um, my life has been very busy in the fact that um, I am a law student and like have a thousand other things going on. And I just sometimes don't find meetings to be a great use of my time. Mm -hmm. However, I do want more sponsees and I know that that is the way to do it. And so, um, I do, I do would I would like to beef those numbers up a little. Um, it's just kind of the way I, I do work with, um, I'm working with somebody right now that I met who, well, that I've known actually in my prior drinking life, who now is, who's, in a bad place trying to get sober. And so like I do work with, with alcoholics. Um, it's just sometimes not in the meeting setting. Hmm. Cool. Okay. My final question. Um, I think if you're, if you're familiar with 12 questions, you probably know this one. <clears throat> um, but it's always interesting to hear from different regions. What is the most important word in step one? <laughs> um, I guess powerless. That's a good answer. I would like it, my my intellectual mind wants to say like we, you know, and like all that, but um, I do I do think it's powerless because I'm a I'm a big fan of the the whole like original six steps that it's like complete deflation. Mm -hmm. And I think powerlessness is like the, the closest 
word that you could be describing as deflation, like unmanageable. Yeah, but it's really like the powerless, like you don't have that choice about drinking. And then when you do, you know, you can't control it. And it's like, that's, that's powerless. That's complete deflation. Right. Yeah. That would seem like a pretty important word. (laughs) Seems important. Because then also it's like, okay, you're powerless, but here's this power that you're going to have to come to rely on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, Okay. So my final question, I'll give you a softball here. Just for the record though, most important word in step one, alcohol. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, whoops. Yeah. No, he's. I'm joking. I'm just. I know you're kidding. I know you're kidding. I know. I mean, that one too. That one. No, you were right the first time. It's we. Because <laughs> you can't. We can't do we it alone. Can't do this by right. myself. Mm-hmm. It's so just so hard you. to. Like I've been so indoctrinated, you know, throughout yeah, the years, yeah, yeah. and like mm-hmm. it's like it's like yeah, the most. It's just like one of those things that people just rattle. Like the most important word is we, and you know. Yep. Yeah, it's, and just, it it's, it's in That's there. why you got to keep coming back. <laughs> I need, exactly. I need this room. I need you people. Exactly. <laughs> got to sit you my know. ass in this chair. And if you right. got a seat in here, you better hold, hang on to it. Or yeah, don't give it up for anybody else. God forbid. It's, just, it's, the, it's the same reason why you just like occasionally will be like, oh, uh, like you'll think of something like, oh, I'm going to spill the salt. Let me throw that over my shoulder. And then you're just like... I actually have no idea why I would do that, and I don't believe it does anything. It's just and I just made another mess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I gotta now instead of just sweeping it up off the counter, I gotta sweep it off of the fucking floor. Yeah. <laughs> every time I do it, because I do it though. Let me just be clear. Like, but what I try to do is I try to do it so that I'm my back is to the sink. You know. Oh my god, that's funny. Right into the sink. <laughs> Because I'm just, I don't, I'm just I don't eating, standing it. in the kitchen, and I, you know, it's like standing with your back to the sink. <laughs> that's, that's the only place I'm I allowed spill to eat the salt now. so often that I just it's eat standing in my kitchen. <laughs> oh my god! I'm glad, John. I'm glad you and I think the same way. <laughs> okay. Um, I've never Brittany. once thrown salt over my shoulder. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say. You couldn't just let me have this moment. You just couldn't let me have this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Is AA completely fucked? Um, Are you referring to the fellowship? I'll allow you to to interpret the question in whatever way you'd like. No, it's not completely fucked because there. I've because people are out there who actually have read the book and who actually got the message and actually want to help. Hmm. Is it? It's up against a lot, yeah. but it's not. I do have a lot of hope for sure. I do. It's not completely fucked. I mean, it depends on where you live. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. <laughs> but no, with Zoom, that was a gift, really. To 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 a lot of, to me personally, um, you know, I got opened up to this whole world of, of people that were, you know, speaking in ways that I like, it just was so attractive to me, you know, saying they're recovered and, you know, you can live in this 
this way that it's outlined in, uh, you know, the 10 step promises. It just, it, I had never even heard of the 10 step promises before. Right. Zoom. Yeah. Someone should have told me that on day one. Like, you're not going to want to, you're not going to have a desire to drink anymore. You're not going to be obsessing over this thing. You're going to be in a position of neutrality. Like, I would be like, sign me up. Right. Yeah. You didn't, uh, you didn't, you didn't get that feeling from them reading the, uh, nine step promises. It's so funny. Cause it's like nine step promises. I'm like, I've experienced that. Like when I read, read, when I hear that in a right. meeting, I'm like, well, yeah, that's just, that's how I feel when I'm at Dave's on third and mission about seven drinks deep. Uh, <laughs> everyone is cool. And I'm about to bum another smoke. You know what I mean? I, I just got made no out fear with of anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wasted. Like, I could do whatever. Yeah. I'm like, I fucking... Not thinking I'm, about money. I'm useful to everyone right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I thought you were going to say, oh, you didn't get that feeling when you were reading Living Sober on Friday night at the newcomers <laughs> meeting? <laughs> Not even a little bit. Like That oh, feeling of God. hope from that, that, just that book filled fucking with so much pamphlet. joy and love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Bonus question. How would you define 13th stepping? Oh, well, as a recipient of a of a 13 <laughs> <laughs> several 13 steps, um I would define it as pursuing sexually a newcomer when you, the first the pursuer has either a significant amount of time or I would, I know just that because I was going to say has done the steps, but somebody that has done the steps generally would never be doing that in the first place. So yeah, somebody with who, who is not an identified self-identified newcomer is sexually pursuing somebody who is new in the rooms. Word. Yeah. Nice. I think that's a pretty accurate definition <laughs> specifically or especially because Speaking it's from... from your experience yeah. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah I oh think, yeah uh, I oh yeah that definitely works um yeah i'm not gonna go anymore into what i was just thinking <laughs> <laughs> it's just so trash that people do that because it's yeah. like it's just it happens at all the time and like you know it's just you're going there to save your life you know and to really just to try to get this help and you're in such a vulnerable place and like right people people it's always people that have a ton of time and and they're just so creepy like they're just like oh this is my my okay cupid this is my you know i'm this is my tinder let me go you know and people like i've had it happen to me people that have decades yeah. of sobriety and i'm just like how did you stay sober this long <laughs> like, yeah. this is your this is your your inner landscape here that's coming out like oh yeah i think that also Trash. we can kind of take that back to the baseline that we were discussing throughout most of the episode which is like <clears throat> There are people who are real alcoholics and there are people who are not real alcoholics. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people who are not real alcoholics, um, well, you know, by nature of who they are, they, they don't have to take this seriously, you know? Um, right. They don't stand to really lose much by not taking it seriously. And yeah, that's kind of like the absolute pinnacle of not taking AA seriously is using it as a place to, you know, 
be a fucking predator and whatever. Mm-hmm. Really, really like to drive this home with a, a fun example. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I when I was like uh, just a few months sober, uh, real real sober. I feel like I have to keep distinguishing between my my California sobriety and my real sobriety. Um, I was real sober, and I had a few months, and somebody that was. 25 years older than me and who had like 11 years and who was a self-proclaimed atheist and who was like i just have a hard time with the spiritual stuff in the program and i was just like (laughs) this is perfect for this episode (laughs) right (laughs) so he um yeah like he he made a many uh i actually did end up having like somewhat of a fling with this person and um he would you know call his i don't his sponsor whoever and kind of be like what and they were like stop doing that and he was like well she's fine you know (laughs) and i thought i was fine too at the time i was like no this is you know i'm an independent woman i can do whatever i want but then it ended in this train wreck of a situation um as it does you know when you not everyone who dates somebody from the rooms does but in my experience usually ends in a train wreck um and yeah and like and it just it was this like it, <laughs> i it, it just the core the strong correlation between like that kind of behavior and like the total lack of of a spiritual practice right mm. strong link strong strong link yeah right if you, if I know, you have no spiritual, you know, compass in your life, like right. anything, I mean, anything's up for grabs, right? We, I feel like our friend who has his podcast, he's kind of like got his corners, like the third step podcast, you know, and our corner has, I don't know. I feel like our corner is kind of like the 11th step. Like we're kind of like the 11th step podcast. And it always comes back to the same thing for me, which is like, um, it is very challenging to do 11 every single day and then behave in those ways. Right. It's just, how can you possibly be bringing your day to God in the morning and then reviewing your day with God in the evening yeah. and be behaving that way? It just don't like, I just don't see it. Yeah. God's like, you know, you, you, you're good. You can go, you can go hit on that, that girl who is barely keeping it together with two months i think that's what we should do today you know you deserve this maximum service (laughs) (laughs) oh Brittany, this is awesome thank you so much for doing this with us i like i said when i heard you on clay's show like i mean that was like over a fucking year ago i was like yeah i was like get me her info i contacted you and then you promptly waited a year to be interviewed by us. <laughs> i'm so stoked i mean i'm here no. yeah thank you so much for asking me i love the show so much i can't wait to to laugh at myself and when i hear this on my podcast my my apple music awesome appreciate you coming and doing this this is really really cool Sorry. Yeah, yeah, thanks again, so guys. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. <laughs> all right, y'all have a great Sunday. Okay, you guys too. This has been a podcast greater than yourself. A podcast greater than yourself was created by recovered alcoholics. 
All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.